0: Next Chapter Podcasts The 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to you. Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend, the king of peace for Angelo. Talking the 500 until the end, talking the 500 until the end. With my man Jim, On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. Ooh.
1: Oh, Snapdoodle, the song is Boom Boom. And no, it's not the one by the Venga Boys. For a second, I was like, is this a cover? Did the Venga Boys cover John Lee Hooker? Totally different song. From the 1991 compilation album, The Ultimate Collection, 48 through 90. It's also number 377 on the 500 with Josh Adam, me, Myers, King Cadougal. Please, Army, how was your week? Uh, thank you to everybody that went to the shows in Minnesota. Thank you to all the people that went to the shows in San Diego. That was a fucking blast. Doing it out on the street corner. This is how desensitized we are post-pandemic and to the audience that just wanted to watch it. There was like two hobos fighting on the street corner. One of them got like damn near uh, beat to like an inch of his life. And I'm like looking at it and stopping the stand up. And the audience was like, come on, Josh, just finish the joke. We're with you. We just, we want to laugh. Fuck these two guys fighting. We're almost there, everybody. We are almost there. Uh, I got more shows coming up. Check out my website, joshadammyers.com, backslash shows for all the shows. But follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media you guys want to watch the podcast because uh, I hope you are because we are posting it in two different ways you get it Wednesday on the Patreon for the $5 Patreon people and if you can't wait for that or can't afford it which I get it's times are tough but we do appreciate everybody that is a Patreon member you can watch it on our YouTube every Thursday so go to patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast or go to our YouTube Josh Adam Myers and smash the subscribe button Now let's talk about this John Lee Hooker compilation. Should compilations be on this list? I don't know. I do like them because you get like the best of the best and you get I mean everything that this artist has done. And for that it's a great record. But I always feel like it should just be the record. Now maybe they couldn't just pick one John Lee Hooker record. Called him Hooker. But Truth be told, you guys are getting the fucking full gambit of an incredible artist. And for that, we got an incredible guest. Uh, I have the one and only Tommy Davidson on the show today. If you don't know Tommy Davidson, then man, oh man, oh Shevitz, you don't know comedy. Tommy was uh, one of the original members of one of the greatest sketch television shows of all time, of my lifetime, in Living Color. Uh, one half of uh, the leads in the movie Booty Call, which is so fucking funny. And just a great stand up comic that I've opened for and have known on and off for years. And it really was a pleasure to have him on this podcast talking about John Lee Hooker. He is a lunatic. But sometimes you gotta have somebody that is a little unstable to fucking bring the funny. And I had a blast talking with him, guys. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on all platforms. And if you're listening on Apple or any other platform where you can leave a review, leave us a good review and give us a five-star rating. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com and follow the Facebook group, The 500 Podcast with Jam. Hit it. Follow it. It's run by Crazy Evan. He's a fucking. You want to talk lunatics? That's a fucking lunatic. And for all things 500, go to our website, The500podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing is left to say but. Here we go with 377 out of 500. It's like the song by the Bengals. I'll just say it. The Ultimate Collection by John Lee Hooker. Snapdoodle. What's up everybody? Before we get into the pod, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Sunset Lake CBD. They are a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. And for years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for the best Ben & Jerry's ice cream like Chubby Hubby. Then in 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And with a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD coffee crafted to help with stress, aches, and pains. Guys, it is perfect. The gummy, it just, it's like 10 milligrams. It just gives you a nice, easy, (sighs) get rid of all the bullshit, dude. It's beautiful. Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping high quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. So go to sunsetlakecbd.com and use code JAM500 for 20% off all products. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use code JAM500. That's jam five zero zero for 20% off all products. Now let's get back to the pod.
0: Money don't get everything is true, What it don't buy that I can't use, I need some money. We've
1: actually met before. We used to, I've done I the Baltimore money. Comedy Factory with you years ago. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. What yeah, long, long time ago, and then, uh, money, honey. and then the one, two, I used to, the, so the one downtown.
0: The one downtown.
1: Yes, the one at no, the one at uh, the one behind. at uh, Power Plant Live. Yeah, Power I Plant. Remember? Because yeah. then you used to come, you used to come to my nightclub I that I also DJ'd so good, at Bar Baltimore, and used to cut a rug there. Yeah, I remember you were on stage, fucking killing it. Off the hook. Off uh, and it's just it's so crazy just how like I've been out in LA since fucking 2007 but I've been doing stand-up I mean I've been a regular at all the clubs since probably about for the last like you know eight years and it's just I never run into you and then when they brought up you to do John Lee Hooker I was like holy shit dude because we always want a good guest for this so so why don't you go ahead and just tell me like Cause also I'm kind of like, I'm not going to say I'm shocked, but uh, you know, it's, it's funny to find out the people that you, that are into certain artists and certain bands. So why don't you go ahead and mm-hmm. tell me your history with John Lee Hooker?
2: Well, it started off with Rob Johnson, Rob Johnson being you guys. Robert, Robert. Johnson. Yeah. I, when you got, I mean, you got, for me, you have to sorry, say Robert Johnson. Yeah, you know, I'm like, maybe that's the <laughs> owner of BET. You know? who? who yeah. You know who's Rob Johnson? You know what I mean. Yeah, I'm um, Ron Johnson, uh, All Pro running back for the New York Giants. I'm a '70s kid, by the way. But anyway, there you go. Um, um, a uh, number thirty. Um, but but uh, starting out there, it's just something magical and miraculous about the blues, and it's it's it, you you have to know it to know it. You know how poor, destitute. Hopeless blacks down south, crushed, deprived, desperate, uh, uh, apparently soulless state of a time period could give birth to like platinum diamond sounds that we hear now via Visa slash or Hendrix or. Know Clapton, or you know, how that happened is it's is an American tale, you know, and so you know, Hooker is a part of that whole arc, you know, and that's that's and 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 we're even back in you know the muddy, muddy blues, you know, with Bl- blind Lemon Johnson, and you know, people didn't eat, you know, unless he, you know you know and it started out as a crime, Ooh, you know is, i i thought i was the only person I was going to be doing yeah. singing today You I know, mean, so like, it's like you know how could you go from um uh no uh, no, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: well,
1: for sure it's it's arguable i mean it's 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 baseball dude it's it's the most american art form that we have it's jazz it's it's everything but it just shocks me it's just like i'm not saying because you don't identify with any of that stuff you just said but it's like was this something that you were fascinated with at a young age or did this develop you know as you've gotten older
2: this is i, I you know i'm i'm a i'm a a funny, I'm like um, I'm like Neo in the Matrix. I'm like the one, you know. So, <laughs> you know, for some reason, I channel a lot of things, you know, and and blues is one of the things that I my 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 body channels, you know. So I can I can you know, you know, if it comes to you know, you know, if, if, if it's big band, it's it's there. Oh, fly me to the moon and let me soar above the clouds. Lyrics wrong, but still, um, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's all there. I did a movie called Bamboozled. Oh, I remember. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> and uh, Paul Mooney walked to me and said, man, if you were, you know, you were born in the wrong part of the century. He said, if you were born in like 18, you know, 80, you'd be the biggest star in America. You know what I mean? So it's almost like it's, it's left in my DNA. So I've always picked up on that stuff. And then the weird being that I am. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about my background. A Ado- uh, 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 Born in Mississippi, left in the trash, found by a white woman from Wyoming, her and her husband, taken out of the trash, nursed back to health, grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado, Moved to Washington, D.C. when I'm five years old. Don't know I'm black. The black kids kick our ass, okay? White crackers beat their ass. um, And the white cracker lover. I go to my mother. Why are they calling me white cracker lover? I like graham crackers, okay? I'm five. Um, we moved to the suburbs of Wheaton, Maryland. Now, I moved in 68 to Washington DC with the riots after King got shot.
1: I forgot okay? you were from I forgot you were from Maryland, dude. I you, I'm from Montgomery yeah. County too.
2: Montgomery County. Ah! Yeah, I'm town,
1: dude. Yeah, Moco ah! baby. You Come on, now. I'm telling you. I, I, got, I mean there's a there is a Instagram page called the Moco Show and they will not give me a shout out. Uh people That's, fans of this podcast, tag them and tell them to do a post about Josh Adam Myers. It's it's, it's hard Tommy. to be
2: seen in in the social universe, man, you know you're being you're being smushed by like Chinese kids doing the pop on TikTok. God, okay, only so, if I had a nice yeah.
1: ass and I could sell fit tea. Do you know what I mean? Man, like I, if I I'm could do you, that, that'd
2: be, that'd be fifty million hits. <laughs> I mean, okay, nine millions, for just millions. acting. Hold on, for just acting like you're going to take off the shit. All oh, takes TikTok. So so, um, <laughs> you know, TikTok. I mean TikTok. All right. So um, going from there to Maryland. You know, in 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 '69, hearing "nigger" for the first time, being chased by grown men, home, like barely getting in the house, people throwing stuff through our window, kill the nigger, you know, like, okay, so I go to my mother, I go, "Who are these niggas? We've got to stay away from them. They're really bad people." She said, "Well, that's what people, our color call people, your color when they don't like them." I said, "Well, what color?" Are y'all? She said we're white. I said no, you're beige like the crayons. She says no, but well, that's what what that's what people your color call us. I go well. What are people our color? She goes black. I go I'm not black. I'm brown like the crayons She said no, you're 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 not you're well. That's what people our color call people your color. And from that day forward, it just caused this like atom bomb in my heart, in my mind. Like where do we live? You know. Mm -hmm. Thank God I lived in America because, you know, eight folk festivals later, you know, after hanging out in communes in Fort Collins or, you know, five Jackson five concerts or James Brown concerts later, you know, after being bust wonderfully bust, not the whole thing after, after, um, uh, uh, what is it? The, the, uh, Arkansas the girl, little girl goes to school and everybody goes crazy um, Topeka versus Board of Education or is th- that- thank you this is yeah. the guy what corner of the what block is he in okay so we're going to third block for questions okay yeah I'll be there um then we get bust, you know together so regardless of what the adults are saying we got to deal with each other all of a sudden you know what I mean and it's not such a bad deal cause TV starts coming around and we got the Partridge family, we got the Brady Bunch, you know, kind of a weird dysfunctional thing, but you don't notice that until you're older, you know, but you know, we got the banana split Sesame street. We got, you know, and we got, not only do we got a Steppenwolf and heart, you know, and earth, wind and fire and Don Coyson's rock concert, you know, so you get everything in one. There's no there, there's no categories. You know tonight. Hi, I'm Don Carson, and welcome to Rock Concert tonight. We have Parliament Funkadelic and Grand Funk, who are like on on two different, totally different planes. You know, so being created from that soil, you know, Hooker doesn't become a, a reach. You know, um, um, but but it's the same. Quite honestly, for me, it's the same reach as the rest of them. You know, but that is a root of the tree.
1: I mean, well, listening to your story of what you just said, I mean, that sounds like a blues song. I mean, you've lived. I mean, Muddy Waters, you've lived all of it. It's like it's it's insane. That's a B.B. King song. That's everything. That's Robert Johnson. It's I mean, I guess that's see what why I was trying to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I, it. it's it's insane, dude. Yeah. So, so, so specifically John Lee and with this record, which is like, I mean, kind of like a retrospective of his entire career. And so now you are, you're how old?
2: I am 57. Good God. you—that's one That's 167 in white man age. (laughs) I mean, I hate this. White people got the short end of the stick on aging. I'm not going to lie. Life expectancy being 12 and then four, if you got on a hoodie, but, but, but go ahead.
1: No, but so 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 like listening to this now, like I mean, you know, what do you feel? What do you feel listening to this record now? As a 50, you said
2: 56, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 56-year-old man. How do you feel about this record? There's now? freedom in it. There's freedom in it. There's freedom in it. There's freedom within freedom. You know, there's freedom within with within barriers, you know it's the voice, it's 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 the music because you got to remember they were from juke joints. Juke joints weren't just for Black people. Mm-hmm. You see? Juke joints were for people who liked the party. You know? And uh, 20s, 30s, in the teens, 40s, you know, there ain't no club where you can go and, and get together with somebody of the other race, you know, out front. You know, I'd be lucky if I could have a if I could get a milkshake downtown, you know, without, you know, ending up in a tree or something, you know, and um the term honky comes from when the richer white men in the towns would go down into the juke joints and pick up chicks and drink and go down to the juke joint. And you knew they were there because they would honk. You see, so it was all one big jam, but not like now. It came with rules, you know, and so but there's no rule on the freedom that's there. You know, we're not talking about, you know, uh, uh, star citizens here. You know, we're talking about we're talking about uh, European men that that come from they don't come from the Rockefellers. They come from the Scottish Irish that came here and built the cabins, you know. They're coming from from uh, poor Germans that came here. They're co- they're coming from people who who were devastated in the Civil War, who fought Indian wars. They're people who were fooled to go out west, you know. They're those Europeans. They're not the corporate. They call them corporate now, you know. And there's no there's no Doctor Phil then, you know. There's no family model, you know. It's not it's not. Uh, Uncustomary for for a wife to get beaten. Who's going to do something? Yeah, you know. I wonder, yeah. if that, but what not to brought? stop you
1: there. But I, I do wonder that if there was kind of like every town or every settlement had like their own Dr. Phil kind of guy. He's like, all right, so we got we have a dispute over this ox here, and we are going to make sure that both sides of the party can be yeah. equally well, compensated that would be lovely. <laughs> from your ox. You know, you've been you've been running around and and fucking with the blacksmith. We need to make sure that you stop doing that.
2: This <laughs> ridiculous. It it's all so ends ridiculous. with. It all ends with. <sighs> now enjoy the play, Lincoln. All right. So anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah, we're gonna so, take yeah. your muskets
1: before you get into this meeting. Okay. Luckily, after you shoot, you got eight minutes before you can reload.
2: You know. So so. You know, we benefit from it. We yeah. we we benefit from. You know, I was watching. I, I, I'm trying to squeeze a lot into the no 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 please. Uh, her, I, you know, but you know, I my son, uh, uh he downloads all this stuff from my on my computer. You know, for me to listen to, and he's got this the collection of Al Jolson. You know, and I'm going, why you got this racist bullshit on here? This is you know, this was a time when I understand the other thing, and one I'm flying to you know another country some got all the time in the world i go man let me listen to some al jolson man that was some of the most soulful like hip stuff that you could move to but back then we couldn't be together see back then there was a, the line was so so the line was so thin right that you couldn't be like Justin Bieber and just go ahead and sing soul music you had to put on like blackface and go and sing it so that white people would feel comfortable that a white man's under it. You know, so when he when goes, yes, it seven "Yeah, ma- 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 ma. You know, mammy is regular. You know, that's part of the family. It's a big, beautiful black woman that takes care of the children. You know, that was part of that was part of the culture then. You see? So, so it's it's such a it's such a it's such a blend of of whatever good and bad could be shaken up, if you could shake it in a shaker, you know what I mean. The elixir that you drank, you know, will come out like Lee Hooker's blues, man, or like Blind Lemon's blues, or like Eric Clapton, or like you know, uh, 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 I can go on. Uh, Kenny Kenny Wayne. No, I I completely Kenny, I completely Kenny Wayne, completely I don't know if you talking. heard a young. Blues player named Kenny Wayne. I mean, it's, 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 it's white boy. Yeah. yeah. Like what you going to do, you know? And um, there's all these offshoots and he's not alone. You know, he's got BB King next to him. You know, uh, there's, there's, sh- have you ever seen the shot of Elvis in the juke joint when, with BB uh, King and Bobby Blue Bland? He's like maybe 16 years old and he's like hanging in the juke joint and B.B. King and Blue Bland look like they're like 29, 28, maybe like how long ago was that? You know, and it transfers, you know, Hound Dog is a blues song, you know, and it transfers, you know, they used to say "Hey, that's color music. That's nigger music. Don't listen to that. You know, uh, well, the, the people who said that wanted it to themselves probably. Because, sure. Hey, you know, that was the jam. You know what I mean? Sure. But sure. that was a, that, that was, you could tell it's a blue song. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Crying, wow. crying all the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you ain't nothing but a hound
2: dog. Crying all the time. You know? Can you have, can can
1: she, instead of just putting the headphones on you, can she fan you when you start really hitting those notes, dude? Because you're putting a lot into this,
2: brother. (laughs) Killing it. Just just hit me with one of those little raptor darts from Jurassic Park. Hello
0: out (laughs) there.
1: (laughs) Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz, and I'm Flynn McClain. So please subscribe to Numbut The Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road.
0: Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!
3: Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth.
2: Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists.
3: Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So, subscribe to the Show on the Road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon.
1: No, for dude, for everything, like, what? Well, here's the deal, like, so since I started doing this journey, it's like I've I've been able to. Sorry. Since I started doing this journey on the podcast, like I have and I had like, you know, I guess like the basic knowledge of of blues music. You know what I mean? Like I said, like the the three kings, uh, well, more BB King. And then you learn about Albert King and Freddie King. And uh, and now we're getting to John Lee Hooker, which the name has been floating around for so long, and it just never made its way into my stratosphere. And then I listened to this record, and immediately, much like you just said, I hear so much influence, which you can't talk about rock and roll and what it's become unless you you start at this blues music. Because it's Mm -hmm. just, it is, like I said, it's the foundation of what, you know, when you talk about American pastimes, you think baseball, jazz, and blues. And that is, Mm -hmm. like, our thing. I mean, I know there's people in France that can probably, you know, rip a 12-bar blues, but there's something about our country and what this country has been through. And specifically, uh, black Americans have been through Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And it's, and it is the story of, of that mm-hmm. almost the unwritten story that you don't learn about in school where you're getting the real take from the people that experienced it. And for listening to this record, I, I mean, it's just, it, it's, 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 it's dirty. It's, it's dark. It's fun. It's a lot of section in it. And I love that stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I, but it's like, it's this
2: beautiful, beautiful You're in the minority thing. here. Okay. I just want to let you know on that one. Wait, what do you mean by the white <laughs>
3: no, sex? Yeah, we're sex oh, sex, come on, man. Oh, come on. We're, we're, we're working clean.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Um, all right. So, 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 here let's let's find out a little bit about John Lee Hooker. Morty, why don't you tell us about this? By the record way, props to
3: Lieber and Stoller who wrote Hound Dog, who we'll give it up to the Jews and Jolson. We'll take it. Nice. We're, 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 we're kind of like,
2: kiss, we're, we're like kissing cousins. It's a long story, but go ahead. Okay.
3: So, So I'll get down. So check it out. Released in 91, this is on Rhino Records. This is the comprehensive compilation of songs recorded between 1948 and 1990 by the American blues artist and songwriter. John Lee Hooker was born the youngest of 11 children in Tutwiler, Tallahatchie County, near Clarksdale, Mississippi, in 1917. His father was a sharecropper and a Baptist minister. So the homeschooled children were forbidden to listen to any secular music outside of the church. However, when he's young... His sister has a her sister has a boyfriend who comes over and plays the blues music. He's sitting and listening to it. He gets enraptured. He gives him the guitar and he teaches him some of it. A few years later, his parents split up. His mother goes and marries a guy named William Moore. Now, William Moore is a popular local Delta blues entertainer who is who is friends and he plays with blues pioneers like Blind Lemon Jefferson, Sunhouse, Charlie Patton. You know the of of their time, this generation. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go into the weeds for a second. I know you'll appreciate this. You're a musician, so I just want this is this will help break it down in in context. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at this point, Mississippi blues is based on that twelve bar structure. It's got a very specific chord progression, common rhythms, mm-hmm. and it's routinely played with a glass bottleneck on the third finger of the fret, so it does the slide sound.
1: When you say that, when you say that, is that from? Remember uh, what was the movie with with uh, with uh, Jack White and Jimmy Page? Uh, uh you know that, um, it might get loud. Is is that what you is that when he puts the bottle in there and does it like well, that? Well that's it. That so what a you bottleneck
3: mean? is essentially a slide guitar. When you hear slide guitar, in the old days, you know, it would you you just literally cut the top of a bottle yeah. off slide it on your third finger. It, you could, no, yeah. no, no, no. Okay. No. I thought it was constructed the guitar. and similar thing. Yeah. You could play it on. All right, your, you could play it holding it or you could play it on your finger. So what it was is that was considered Mississippi blues. So when you hear Mississippi blues, that's the slide stuff. Okay. I'm not going to pretend to do it because I got into the debacle with the Toots and the Maytals episode. I'm never going well, yeah, he was trying to do, he was, no, he was trying to do reggae.
0: <laughs>
1: He was trying to do reggae and he's trying to explain the difference between ska, reggae, and what was the other one morning? Rocksteady, Rocksteady. Rocksteady, but he's right. like he explaining to <laughs> Ian Edwards and me, and he goes, No, but no, no, no. He was yeah. Tommy, he's like, he's like, All right, so, that's bo- so reggae that's is beautiful. like this. A jink, jink, a jink, jink, and we're like, Right, whoa. Right. That's a little too, yeah. Close.
2: <laughs> yeah. Little yeah. too close. Yeah, a little too close, That's how not book. raises. Ba, 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 ba,
3: yeah. Yeah, let
2: Tommy ba, ba, ba. do the noises. There's so the many noises. different phases of that. You that's a whole nother world right there. Yeah. i'll pass
3: it on anytime you want to jump in literally take over the music thing i will i'll get in trouble no <laughs> no, no. we'll we, 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 yeah
2: we'll we'll we're, we're all we We all live in the yellow submarine man you know a word we're good so check it out so, will, good, Moore, so will
3: Moore. so will his his stepfather is uh is avoids the conventional delta style and instead he plays more of like a bare bones churning drone on one chord that uses the dynamics of volume as the changes not necessarily mm. the changes So Mm -hmm. as he's originally from Shreveport, the Louisiana blues he brought had more in common with the hypnotic ancestral, the slave rhythms, the African rhythms of Mm -hmm. the slaves. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this, now this is the most interesting part to me. Mm -hmm. Let's see how you guys feel. The reason that is, is due to the, there's a containment and suppression of the traditional music by the white slave owners in Louisiana was lower compared to Mississippi. They both had an okay. awful. It was terrible for everyone. But in Mississippi, right. the slave owners okay. were also paranoid that the rhythms might contain some kind of code that would or incite code? a rebellion. I am
2: sure. I'm- so
3: they did their best to shut down music in mm-hmm. in uh in Louisiana. Okay. So uh uh yeah, it was uh uh so that's the style that was taught to mm-hmm. John Lee from his stepfather. So now we have John oh. Lee runs away from home. Okay. He leaves his family, reportedly never sees his parents again. And he goes to and he goes to Memphis, where he hangs out and he's playing house parties, playing on the streets with the next generation: Robert Nighthawk, Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters. Now, these are his contemporaries. Now, John Lee was Here a literate. Go. damn. He's illiterate, but he's prolific. He's prolific as a lyricist, and he adapts uh, an extemporaneous singing narrative style with spoken ad libs. He just sort of says mm. what he's doing in the middle of the song. Yeah, so the babysitter, uh huh, and he will just throw in stuff wherever he wants mm-hmm. it, and gives it more of like a, of that, a, one a give us that one more time. Give us that one more oh,
2: time. Give us that one. Oh hell no! <laughs> I will never <laughs> Come on, do it man, again. That was good. It's Come all you. Come on, year. that was good. Yeah, he, he, he starts we're, playing
1: it. He... It's going to be in some some Jewish code for <laughs> for all the Jews.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's easy. It's easy. No, it's no, no,
1: no, 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 Tommy. The Jewish version would be like. <laughs> That's a little bit my half tour. That's my half tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: 40.
2: yeah. yeah. He just started a holy war between you and the Arabs, but go ahead. So,
3: so, on top of that, he keeps either that, or we
2: gotta have a spit screen with our screen. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Go ahead. So
3: he keeps. So his style is he keeps the timing loose. He sings wherever the bar line. He'll put it wherever he wants. He has a primitive playing style where he basically holds his thumb over the bass notes and he plays with his fingers the notes on it. And because he's inconsistent, he's basically a solo artist because nobody can play with him. Cause he's, it's right. hard to accompany a guy who sort of plays it by, you know, where he wants. So in 1948, he got his own thing. yeah. So in 43, he spends a tiny bit of time in Cincinnati. He leaves Cincinnati, goes to Detroit, Michigan, and he, and he bypasses, you know, bypasses the Mississippi. He goes to Detroit. He gets his first electric guitar and he works at a janitor at Ford while he's becoming very popular on the blue scene. So in 48, he goes to the office of what was then like a little record store label owner guy, a Russian Jewish guy named Bernard Besman. He okay. plays him these he plays him these demos he's made. Besman sets up his first session. His first session, he he leases out the one song they do for this session. It sells a million copies. He leases it to a Los Angeles. Thing. What it's year a million is this? Copies in 48, 1948, A million copies of a record, but obviously, Holy shit. and obviously because. These people are not taken care of. They're not paid off in a commensurate way as they would be for a guy that wrote his own song and brought it in. So they continue this Since work. When did that start happening? I
1: know. I know. Wait, my, question, Marty, my question, Morty, my yeah. question, Morty, is all right, so this is 48. Yeah. What what's big in that time? Like what's what is it going up against that? It's selling a million copies. Because so, it's obviously blowing people. away. I mean, it would have been like post like
3: post World War, post World War two. It would have been, you know, pardon me fans. is it's a
1: transylvania station nah, like that yeah
3: but it, w- it would have been more like probably andrew sisters were probably still popular a yeah, lot of the post-war yeah. a lot of the post-war boogie woogie remember this is pre yeah. this is pre roll. this is even pre uh mills yeah
2: not nah, kind of mills brothers mills, maybe yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot of a lot mills of the brothers, vocal groups yeah Mills Brothers, four yeah. freshmen. I'd like to buy uh, a paper doll that I can call my own. Yeah. You know that era. Yeah, so Moon, before yeah river, wider than the seas.
3: It's before the white yeah. people took the. It's before the white people took the took abuse abuse uh, blues music. So basically, he works with Besman, but like a lot of the like a lot of the white guys at the time. Basically, oh, he was
2: way hip. Looking at this list, he was way out yeah. there.
3: There's the Andrews Sisters. Yeah. Ella Fitzgerald, Sammy Kay, Tommy yeah. Dorsey. Yeah, oh, he was
2: way out there. Yeah. Sarah
3: Vaughn. Forget
2: about it. Yeah. He
3: was... So those aren't watching, forget we're looking about at the it. top... We're talking at the top list of it. Peggy Lee, you know, Bing Crosby. Yeah, getting, that would have been... And it. he was getting, elec- Just to getting, was getting electric, with it,
2: yeah. was getting electric so, with it, too. Yeah. He was getting electric with it, too.
3: So unfortunately, Besman, like a lot of those guys at the time, basically put his name on, the other, on, on his compositions. So Besman becomes co-writer on stuff because... He's the cat that just happened to be there at the time. So that basically continues on. Um, He continues to record for a bunch of different labels. He evolves his style into more of a a Chicago style Southside shuffle, which we'll get to later. Then later he actually adds another guitar. Eddie Kirkland plays with him a second guitar. And there's more of that. We'll get to that later. Over 50 years, he's putting out studio albums, so many compilations, so many reissues. Um, and a testament to this guy's legend is that the people that wanted to and actually got to record with him include Van Morrison, Keith Richards, Steve Miller, The Doors, Carlos Santana, Bonnie Raitt, B.B. King, Ben Harper, Charlie Musselwhite. I mean, everybody. He plays with everybody. He wins multiple Grammys, including the Lifetime Achievement Award. He's inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in 1980, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 91 the Michigan rock and roll legends of hall of fame in 2007 and he has a star on Hollywood Boulevard um which leads to in June of 2001 sadly he passed away in his sleep and today we are now looking at some of his most famous songs right
2: you guys weren't expecting me to know all that in this interview right no no no, no read like, it back to me there'll be a test next period yeah <laughs> that was just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll be like that woman in in Total Recall, you know, wait a for a surprise. Two weeks. Two Hold on, halfway through the. i I'll be like, I'll be like Schwarzenegger in um in a, in a, in a Total Recall when him and his girlfriend fell out into Mars's atmosphere.
1: Dude, I could do a whole podcast. You're gonna I'm gonna bring you on my other podcast where we break down Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> movies because I the Total Recall episode. It still pisses me off that they remade that movie. It's like you can't remake.
2: And it wasn't. Ch- yeah, they try to make it cute. You know, you don't yeah, make total like recall the, cute. The
1: reason it was the reason it was you good know? in 1990
2: is because it's it's fucking ridiculous. It's All the ridiculous. beautiful stereotypes. The black guy. You know, I got five kids to feed. Yeah, I, thought, I got six. Oh, you got me, man. You know, <laughs> he's so he's <it's> like,
1: like he's <laughs> like, I told you, I got five. His arm comes out in that weird yeah, way. And I the told, I like got like five
0: kids fingers. to feed.
2: All right, I love you. Oh, i thought my you God. said you had six. Oh man you caught me okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey what's up my name's
3: lurk and i'm the host of Lambgoat's van flip podcast every week i have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene big and small we also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well so come check out lamb van flip podcast
1: <laughs> All right, let's let's talk. Let's listen to some of this music. Let's go through some of these tracks. All right, the first one i want going to talk about is by one of the older ones on here, "Boogie Chillin." Um, so, uh, here, why don't we go ahead and play a little taste just to remind us.
0: One night I was laying down, I heard mom and papa talking. I heard papa tell mama to let that boy boogie woogie because it in him and it got to come out well I felt so good and I went home boogie boogie just the same
1: Yeah. so I'm, I'm a little confused and so maybe you can clear this up because I don't know if this is about parents encouraging their kids to dance or encouraging their kids to fuck I have no idea not each other but just like go out there son right. go get that ass right. you know I don't know right so tell me, Morty, what is what is this about? So,
3: Boogie, so by the way, this is the one that sell this is the one that sold the million copies. This is that first recording he did. Th- this is the one that yeah. sold a million this copies. This is the one. This is yeah. You got to imagine what this oh, sounded like. Can I like. stop you yeah. for a
2: second? Please, please. Can you imagine the way everyone's ass was shaken when that came on?
3: Absolutely. Because there
2: was nothing to shake your ass to. All right. So now you got a whole country of whites that go from you know moon river wider than the sea to so this
3: semi-autobiographical origin story it's an example of the of the rhythm he was taught by his stepfather that's a thing you're hearing there's no chord changes it's the same thing it's the same thing over and
1: over yeah but that's what's so notice about
3: it yeah Exactly. That's the thing is it's, it's close to what we were saying the slaves had where it's a, it's a, it's almost like a chant. It's almost like a mantra. Just jit, 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 jit. jit, jit, jit. Well, it's the rhythm.
2: It's yeah, taken the rhythm absolutely. from a drum that was really scary, right? but it's really beautiful because at the beginning of time, think of us as primates being able to listen to the rhythm of nature and then put that into sounds You know, so if we hear a bird go, you know, we go, you know, so it's like, so that's just. You
3: know, I was going to say what knocks me out about the sound is. To get this sound, so he goes and now you know, he's got Bernard Besman, the producer we just talked about, and he's uh-huh. got an engineer named Joe Syracuse. So they they come up with these innovative techniques. So they basically mic up a wooden board. He's got bottle caps on his shoes because he's his own rhythm accompaniment <laughs> on this. So what they do is they run the send, any recording people, they run basically, his guitar runs into a speaker. They have in another little room, is a tiny little studio, a toilet that they have built. They put a microphone into the toilet bowl and they put the speaker into the toilet and it picks up the sound of the guitar bouncing off the water hits the thing. You know, it's a, it's a wall of sound in a, in a smaller do it yourself kind of way. It bounces back into the studio and then the sound is then recorded and mixed in with his vocal live. So that's how they get, that's how they give this sound. So it's all him playing with himself, but they do a few little recording techniques a million copies in 48 that's not all black people <laughs> that's a hey, lot hey, of white hey, people hey, buying I'm this telling you, i'm telling you i say
1: this a lot on the podcast everybody i say this a lot music w- changes when when one thing gets too big and it becomes too full and too whatever it, they take it down to the most bare bones uh, you know, feeling and release that happen with when from heavy metal to grunge or hair metal to grunge happen when 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 Nookie and Limp Biscuit and then you get the Strokes. It's just it ebbs and flows, and it's like that's
2: what we're into, man. That's right. And the and the cool people, the cool people define define the eras. And yeah. who says cool people are one color or the other? You see, this looks like the cool people will pick up on that sound. You know what I mean? They're going to yeah, sure. they're gonna not care. They're not going to care. They're going to feel that thing. And they're going to find a way to get to it. You know, just as sure as Benny Goodman, when he heard it, he had to do it. You see?
3: Yes. 100%. 100% more. Do you have any more? Yeah. I was going to say, like, if you notice, if you listen to the rhythm and everything, that sound basically becomes, you know, We'll know it from songs like Norman Greenbaum "Spirit in the Sky." Right. We'll know it from LaBrange, ZZ Top, dude. The Grange, ZZ Top yes, in '73. That's ZZ
1: Top. All the Fleece yeah. Army out there, you should be getting a little. Right. Get your that's ZZ, Z-Z because- Top. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah, dude. dude. Thank you. And I'll get into Z-Z I'll Z-Z get into that. They got into some issues with that later. I'll talk about it later. And then even the Talking Heads in '83 have a song called "Swamp." That's on "Speaking in Tongues." Heads, that's- dude.
1: Talking Heads are so badass, dude. Alright, the next the next one I wanna talk about, uh the the next one I wanna talk about is crawling king snake. Play it, JT.
0: Well, I'm a crawling king snake and I rule my den. Don't want to run my meat. Wanna use I
1: pray this is about his dick. It's about I pray. <laughs> Please tell me this is about eh, his dick. Dude.
3: I mean, I cannot say eh. I cannot say with eh. complete authority, but information would lead me to believe Well, let's let's break let's break it down so you get yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, let's break from. it down. Let's break it down for so more his... man. So her mom's, so his, remember I talked about his sister's boyfriend that that gave him the guitar, right? Yes. His name was Tom Hollins. So all these guys, remember, like, this is what we're talking about, how music would get brought from one person to another person
0: mm-hmm.
1: and
3: it would evolve because they played for you and then you'd forget a word and you'd replay it. So since the twenties, the Delta blues had songs like Black Snake Moan, Black Snake Blues, you know, yeah. and then this version, this version was actually recorded in 1941 by Big Joe Williams, And then shortly after Tom Hollins, her boyfriend recorded this. So Mm -hmm. they would play it. And so nobody, but because of it being of its time, the tenuous copywriting and everything, right. They, people, whoever got the recording of it first would put their name on it. So this one obviously says it's a hooker and Besman composition, but the song itself had sort of been around since the twenties. This went to number six on the R and B chart. And I, I mean, I, let's, let's say it's about it. I'd say it's about his dick. I mean, not to, not to put too fine a point on it, but unless you guys have otherwise, he's a crawling King snake, man. Let me,
1: let me ask, let me ask Tommy, like, what is, what, what do you hear these songs? Like Black Snake Blues and Black Snake Moan and now Crawling King Snake. Like, like, how do you
2: feel like as a black dude hearing these songs? Uh, there's Black Mamba in our time. Yeah. You know? So so, you know, in the in, in the in the National Basketball League, the players called Jordan Black Panther. I didn't even know that. Like I was hanging out with the NBA players and, and, and I've known all of them for years and stuff. And they, you know, keep saying, Hey, BP's gonna come over here, blah, blah, blah. And BP. And finally I said, Man, who the fuck is BP? And they said, That's Jordan. We call him Black Panther. I said, Why you call him Black Panther? Because he moves like one. You know? So it's the character of that black snake. Being low down in the swamp, you see what I'm saying? That king yes. black snake, baby, you know what I mean. And then if you put a sexual connotation on it, hey, it's got to stay low to get around. It might get chopped yeah. off and 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 tied to a, some fucking boards and burned. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it it it's it's how else how else am I going to express that? Now you know every rapper, every single rapper in existence. You know, they go oh, here please first. Please tell me right? you're going to show your dick. <laughs> like, please yo, tell me you're showing up like, your dick, dude. Yo, yo, you know what I'm saying? Right? They go there first, right? Michael Jackson, you know what I mean? Oh, my God. Dude. That did look like, like that though, first. Penis. Right? That might okay. have
3: been. Now, I'm, I'm going to take out. it. And also, did you see, one see one where, where he cigars? placed his
1: hand, everybody, oh. above the knee? <laughs> <laughs> Kill the. Put on that
2: rat con thing. Sunday mystery movie on NBC.
3: I oh, wow. Him. You guys are going to sorry. That's, that's wow. you and me. I'm I'm in my 50s also. <laughs> okay, okay, thank that's you. That's for me. All right, cool. All right right, right okay. after
2: the Disney, right after the Disney Yeah, that was McLeod, Columbo. That yeah. was all of them together. Uh, uh, Ellery,
1: Ellery Queen, yeah. I mean, realistically, like, what a great song. If it's about his dick or not, the song fucking slaps. The song's beautiful. Uh, I love it. And um, I feel like The Doors did this too, right, Morty? Yeah,
3: they covered. Uh, this was actually... Uh, according to Popular, Danny Sugarman wrote in No One Here Gets Out Alive that basically he sang this in Paris at some bar. He got up and sang it. It's it's thought of as being the last song that Jim ever sang before he died. You Who's know, Danny. Danny. Uh he's, Denny Sugarman was the manager of the doors. He's the one who wrote the book, No One Here Gets Out Alive. Danny Sugarman? That, De- Denny Sugarman. Yeah, Danny. Okay, yeah, okay, Danny okay. Sugarman. Danny Sugarman. Okay. So yeah, he yeah, and so. He, uh, he's since passed away, but yeah, that's the, the the doors covered this on the last album.
1: What would be like the white equivalent of black snake Moan, like white corn nut sigh or something like that? Like, what would it be for white people? Like (laughs) Uh, for Jews, it would be like any vanilla (laughs) ice song. Semitic schmeckle, uh Give me something more to your Jewish. <laughs> where, where you
3: really you're gonna throw to me on a dick question? I mean, you're I mean you're the you're way ju- more Jewish than I am, bro. I'm here to talk about music. Somebody asked me that last night. They were like, you're Jewish, right? And I'm like,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, kinda. I mean, like, I went to Israel and you know, but I'm
3: like, I didn't even know uh, if it's you say poor. Israel, you ain't Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Israel. Israel? Yeah. <laughs> Israel. Jerusalem? <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: no it ain't Shallow. real. No it ain't real. You've, you've got to feel your <laughs> horns. I have said oh, somebody yeah. asked to feel my horns and that, you know so that's, that's what it would be long. called.
3: That's what our song <laughs> would be called. The Jews' horn. Feel, feel, feel,
1: feel my horn Yeah, I heard
3: you guys have horns. I'm like, you might as well go look for them, motherfucker. All right, let's
0: let's
1: let's let's dive into. I need some money because uh, I really do right now, guys. And I don't think that there has been a song uh, sung and a moment in a song that I identified with more than this clip I'm about to play. JT, play it. Need
0: some money, oh
2: yeah.
0: What I want. I need some money, honey. I need some money right away. I need some money so bad. I need some money. Oh, yeah. Everybody that's
1: calling unemployment right now, like, that can't get through to EDD is like, ED blues. this should be the song that they play while you're waiting that on hold be, to
2: talk to them. That would, that would be worth a billion dollars for, like, any bank that does wiring and, like, yeah, for commercial. I need some money. Like, and they're I like, yes, it.
1: I do. That's why I've been calling money,
2: out <laughs> money, money, money. Change your name to EDD D. King. Right EDD
1: D. King. Good. All right. There you go. I'll get That's it. So far. Really, That's how. Podcast is going to Morty. Right so so there. dig this right. one.
3: So, oh, I'm sorry. Go on. Go on.
1: No, I was going to throw it to you. You got to let me throw it to you. I throw it to you. Yeah. We need clean
2: segues, man.
1: Morty, you got anything? Yeah. Uh, You're Jewish. <laughs> if you
2: want 10%, you got to get this guy to segue. <laughs> go ahead. 10 10?
3: <laughs> okay. So, so, the wild thing about this, you'll hear he's really only playing one chord, but what this song is, is is Money. It's the first Motown song. This is the Barrett Strong. The best things in life are free. This is that song done by him. This is from 1950. Yeah, so a year after 1959, Barry Gordy, so Barry Gordy Gordy co-wrote this song with Barrett Strong, and then John Lee turns it into this blue shuffle on one chord, and so that's the song you're hearing here. The one the Beatles did cover later, but it's also, like I said, it's the first Motown single that ever came out is this song, and and so speaking of money, so here's, this is dope. So check this out. So he's under contract, right? And he's going to record for anybody that pays him. But because there's, you know, because he's not making the commensurate money that we we're talking about, that he should be making from all these records that comes out, all of a sudden there's a record out now by John Lee Booker, John Lee Cooker, John Lee, Johnny oh, no. Senior, oh, Sir John Lee Hooker, Delta John, Texas Slim, the Boogeyman. Birmingham man, Sam and his magic guitar. There's records coming out and he's basically saturating the market with his own product going anywhere. Somebody will pay him because every jukebox, remember, it's not like the old days where it's just like a radio right. and there's a machine. You didn't have a
2: picture and all that. Somebody yeah.
3: has a jukebox. Yeah. They have a jukebox. They're like, I need a new single for my jukebox. And he goes, great here. I'm now, now I'm John Lee Booker. And right. then he gives him this right. thing and he records it and then he gets paid. And then he right. walks away. So there is good fun. for John, guys. Let's take a second <laughs> yeah. to
1: applaud John
3: Lee Hooker. I yeah. mean, that is I that mean, is, that is uh, need that's a drop yeah. right here. That's JT. Shark Tank. That's yeah. entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. That's God Facebook. bless
1: his soul, dude. And much yeah. like the EDD, and the reason why so many people aren't getting their money is because of all the aliases that people are using right now yeah. to try to get double, oh triple, God. quadruple paid. I got to ask you, oh Tommy, because you have been you have been in. I mean in my stratosphere of entertainment since uh since the 90s mid 90s i think is the first time i saw yeah. you in living color yeah. and and you've been quite successful so i want to know we want to know what was the first like what's the fuck that what's the most ridiculous shit you
2: bought when you first made some real money um i used to buy these really expensive suits from a place called well i'm not going to say the name but but you know the guy you know Had me by the balls because I thought that that was what to do, you know? So I would buy these suits that were like six grand, you know, seven grand, you know? I had like, you know, 30 suit, these suits, you know? Um, And because they were in Beverly Hills and they were a hot thing, you know? And I'd go in there and he'd get to talking to me and I'd walk out with my bags and the only thing that happened with those suits was an arbitration in a divorce. The guy listed those as <laughs> things that were sort of valuable. Well, how much? How much is each suit? How much is each suit? It was about six grand. Some stupid shit like that. Oh, you know that's and this, but this is 96 grand, yeah, right? This is oh, the so '90s, and, and, and that, I mean, like, you look like at them now, thousand dollars. You know, you wore them now. You know, you might as well put on a safety vest and work for the DWP because you know they're like orange. They're or like you know because the colors were the Steve Harvey joints. The Steve what Steve Harvey wears now? Yeah, please Harvey-
1: <laughs> send us a picture of one of of the most ridiculous suits so we can post it on our Instagram when this episode comes out because if that's easy, Wait, wait here we got it. What is it? What is it? You, yeah, here is one. Holy <laughs> shit, dude! That is the most 90s fucking thing I've ever seen in my life All the way down to, From the color of the suit To your flat top Oh my god Looking good though, Tom You are looking good, Tommy You killed it Killed it Alright, the next one I want to talk about Is Dimples Um, I, I, th- I honestly I think this has Probably the best moment On the entire record uh, JT, play it for me, it's like you know all the other stuff we've been listening to so far but it's like
2: you're gone in it. but yes, it's just it's, it's incredible
1: in it. it's incredible because like in it. because it's like think about this is that so far what we've just heard has been like yeah. really raw, really rugged and now we're getting into the fun stuff and now I'm really right, starting to get right. attracted
2: to this record that's where the ZZ tops come in that's yes, where that 100 percent that whole movement comes in and I don't care if you're at the worst county fair on earth and there's a b uh a, a, a f level band on if they if they strike that up you're gonna be like you're gonna be like the middle of the heat like because it's there yeah it's it is there, there man
3: for sure morty what do you got So remember when we talked about how up until this point he's playing by himself, or then he's got Eddie playing second guitar at this point, this is 1956. So remember this is right after rock and roll is basically born 55 Elvis 56. He's got Jimmy Reed's backing band playing him now. So now he's got a real band playing behind him. Uh, he said he wrote this song. (laughs) You'll like this either about his girlfriend or about his friend's wife. He didn't, he, he didn't say for sure. So let's just say it's about his dick. Um, Remember in sixty two. They both sound like his
2: girlfriend. But go
3: ahead. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely my girlfriend this these last right. year. Mm-hmm. So in 62, he goes to Europe with the with the with the first American folk blues festival tour, and he establishes a career there. And then a little while later, he become uh, this becomes so this is 62. Remember, this is 56. This is recorded. 62, he goes to Europe. And then eight years later, this is his first British hit. Because that's sort of how Uh, long it takes. But here's Uh, why this is interesting. So all these blues and folk purists are popping up, most of them in England. And they want, essentially, they want what they think blues sounds like. So now all these guys like all these guys like like uh John Lee Hooker and these guys, now they're playing this modern what we consider like more of rock and rolly kind of blue stuff and everything right, right, so these guys now have to go back and start playing acoustic guitar, and now they're playing blue standards they never played before because they realize in Europe they're popular, but only if they sound like what these people assume blues artists sound like. So they have to go back. And now you have John Lee Hooker playing songs that he never played before, like that he bypassed completely in his upbringing, just to just to basically to get paid. So he has to get broken. <laughs> so it's like a really weird, it's a really weird thing for them to get paid. They have to now basically sound authentic, which was completely inauthentic to what they really were but to make british white people happy.
1: Well, if we learned anything from the song that we talked about right before is that John Lee Hooker needs some money and so now he's about that money. And there ain't nothing wrong with that.
2: Yeah. And um that turned into a whole lot of people coming out of Europe. Stones. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, we can go on. I'm not saying they did, yeah. I'm not saying that they didn't it didn't work
3: out well in the big picture, but it just you know, I just get got, the got money. to imagine Yeah, I just got to imagine somebody coming up to you and going, "Do that thing you did eight years ago, because that's authentically you. Uh,
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know.
1: Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Revenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, Everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. The next one that I want to talk about is Boom Boom, because uh, from what I've read, this is John Lee Hooker's most famous song. And you can definitely see why uh, from listening to it. So is there anything you want to talk about, Morty, with
3: it? Yeah, so this is literally his most famous song. Most people consider this a blues standard, but this is considered like him doing pop. So this is like his most pop song at the time. It had him come over because he's in Detroit. Remember, his almost everybody backing him up is from the Funk Brothers, which you guys will remember is the Motown backup band. He's got pianist Joe Hunter. He's got James Jamerson on bass. He got Benny Benjamin on drums. Um, and he gets the title because when he used to be late to work at the Apex Bar, <laughs> the woman behind the bar, the bartender would go, boom, boom, you're late again. And he thought it was a great title. <laughs> so he grabbed that one. Nice and uh you can't miss the the how how how, how which once again is lagrange zz top
1: yeah i, I put a little clip from it jt play the clip
0: when you're talking to me that baby talk i like it like that whoa
1: Wait, did ZZ Top get did ZZ Top have to pay John Lee Hooker for doing that in
3: Lagrange? Uh there, there's a there, there I'll get to the story if you want right now. Basically, long story short is Benny, Benny, I mean, uh, uh Bernard, remember the guy that owns his bread, who owns his publishing, his co-writer who didn't write anything? That cat later, uh uh John Lee heard this, said, uh well, heard Lagrange, and he kind of went, Hey, these guys sound like me. But he's a fan of ZZ Top. He doesn't want any trouble.
2: Bernard, however, said, gets litigious. Okay, okay, good guy. Yeah, he, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Bernard he said, hey, gets litigious now, hold about a it. Sues They yeah. sound a little bit like me now, don't they? You know? Yeah. <laughs> how how? How? The irony of that song is, is that you can play that at a rodeo. You can play that at uh Indianapolis 500. the big Harley, the giant Harley Harley rally. You know, you can play that any of those places and white people will start banging their heads off the wall. It's just like, still hot. And you can play that at a, at a hip hop club and they'll tell you, we're gonna kill you.
1: That's a good fight song. It's a good fight song, just like LaGrange. It's just like, it's something that if I, next, I haven't been to a, into a fight in fucking goddamn, like 20 years. And the next one I get into, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. before we do this, <laughs> do you mind if I just put boom boom on? What? Ow, ow. Why are you hitting me now? Yeah,
2: you got a plan. Okay. <laughs>
1: I was like, hold on. I got I got my I got my beats pill here just in case. Cause I knew right, we have right. beef and you owe me money or I owe you money or whatever's going on. The other songs I loved, I loved one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. I loved Burning Hell, but I think I think the one that I dig fucking the most, and I and it's it's one of the last ones on the fucking record is In The Mood. In The Mood is just phenomenal. Uh, Morty, go ahead and just tell us about this one. Uh,
3: in The Mood, this is an 89 uh, remake of his 1951 song. Uh, it's one of the best-selling blues records of all time. He re-recorded it with the producer, not the same Roy Rogers, but a different Roy Rogers, and then former 500 artist uh, Bonnie Raitt, who's on it with him. And she told him that was her only choice or she wouldn't record anything with him. That was the song she wanted. So according to Hooker, this was inspired by Glenn Miller's version of In the Mood. And and clearly Bonnie felt the same what way. What the fuck? Because she described the recording. You know, In the Mood? Yeah, dude. I know in Glenn the mood. I don't I don't hear it from I don't hear that at all. Oh, from he plays this. on one chord most of the time anyway. So it's like it's an approximation. I mean, give him credit. The dude's like, it's the number one blues record of like of all time. You know, so the cat. So here's how they record this with Bonnie Ray. Check this out. They in a dimly lit studio. They record, and Bonnie says, this is one of the most erotic experiences of my life. Oh, shucks. So that's how connected she was to doing this song. And it won the Grammy for Best Traditional Blues Record, 89.
2: And you have to include coming out of that room with a mysterious gray streak in her hair. Yes.
1: Anyways.
3: And you, you guys want to hear a clip of Bonnie just
1: fully drenched? Play it, JT. One ready. Bonnie Raitt gon' change her shorts, but didn't body do my do now fully drenched.
2: I fucking Bonnie love that the song, too. I love that song. Are you sure that what? ain't Aretha? Say what? Are you sure that ain't Aretha? Frankly, Bonnie, Bonnie Raitt's not good in that. Bonnie Raitt is in-fucking-credible.
1: She's not- I, I mean, keep amazing. She's not- you gotta keep this in mind, Tommy. For me, okay. for years, all I did was think of Bonnie Raitt as "Let's give him something to talk about." That was all I looked at it. Then we did
2: uh, obvious, yeah. You, that, that's yeah, that's the hit, right, right. But right. we did give
1: it up on this podcast, which was her right. second record. I or it was her first. I can't remember, uh, uh-huh. Morty. Uh huh. She's been give in the up. trenches, baby. She's been in the trenches. It's her second record. Still a blues album. So yeah, she's no our- joke. She's
2: a real yeah. She's a genuine article.
1: Dude, and and arguably one of the best slide guitarists fucking like out there. I mean, I, she fucking Bad rips. Ass. And it's TV like Ray, I'm saying TV this, the, right. you cannot you cannot just write off Bonnie. I mean Angels, Angel from Montgomery is, is fucking gorgeous. It's just, and I know that's a John Prine song, but Dear Lord, she had
3: the, she had the hit. Yeah.
1: She knows how to assimilate with whatever artist she's doing and fit right into that song as it was like, Oh no, she can not only be the, the, the duet partner, but she's co-owning that song with him where she's just as important as John Lee Hooker in that
2: moment. Just go to show you what, what race and sex relations were like back during that time. You know, headlines read, you know, look at her, and we'll kill you. You know, the small print went, We have to do that because the bitch wants to go with you all the time. You know, but it's just like, how much of an attraction is that? You know, because she says, you know, my daddy told me, you know, leave that man alone. You know, what man? You know? Yeah. You know? hmm Crawling clean, king crawling yeah. king snake. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't it ain't it ain't Barney Fife, you know. <laughs> You would do
1: some facts and we'll get you out of here?
2: I'm not good at facts as he is.
1: It's uh, no, he's the guy that's going to say
2: it. Yeah, he's going to do it. Yeah, I'm it's like, yeah. He, I mean, you just to do just, anything. Like, I thought anything. I was going to be just able to, and it. every time I go, every time I go, I go, he goes, the boots that he wore, you know, were a pair of boots that were worn by a tractor driver from 31, sold them to <laughs> his aunt, that went to his cousin, played guitar in those, took the strings out of the boots, Put them in the guitar <laughs> and played that. You know what I mean? It's just like I'm like
1: <laughs> Morty's a, a lunatic music savant. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's it's not it's me. Indeed. I if we want to talk about Stone Temple Pilots. Fucking, I can go balls deep in that. Everything else, it's like I just want to listen to some records and dead just, just talk Kennedy. to famous dead people. I'll do it. Too drunk to fuck. I could <laughs> do nah, I dead couldn't. Kennedy. Nah, Kennedy. Throw I out. I couldn't do dead Kennedys. I don't know enough. <laughs> I'll tell you about Bonnie Ray.
3: Skank. A little bit. All right, go ahead, Morty. What's so give us our out. first fact? So, so, uh, so Tony Holland, thats the travel. That's the name of the traveling blues man, the boyfriend of of his sister. That that you know that he played for the one that originally did "Crawling King Snake" and taught it to him. Um, he noticed John. Obviously, was looking at him play his guitar. He gave him his first guitar. It was a Silvertone. So he's the guy that actually gave him his first guitar uh, before. when Remember, uh, his dad. You know, his dad's a Baptist minister. And because of the negative connotation with the blues and everything, he makes John keep it in the garage and he calls the guitar the devil. Mm. So this also contributed to his decision to stay with his mother after his parents broke up. So the guitar is called the devil? No, well, it's a silver tone guitar, but his dad, because his dad was a Baptist minister and called blues music the devil's music, he referred to the guitar as the devil and made him keep it, he made him keep it out in the barn.
2: Oh,
3: okay. That's
2: how, Um, that's how,
3: that's how heavy this was at the time. This was a, this was a, this was a uh, definite, a, uh, um, an enemy of, I mean, it turned out to be true, but it was an enemy of, of sacred music was the secular stuff coming up. When did that
1: make that shift? When did it start changing back to music was actually like, I mean, is it like, is it, because I know it all the, all the way up to like the heavy metal period with like Judas Priest and stuff where they were like, you have Tipper Gore and, and all of that. That's pretty interesting. But, yep. That's
2: that. Yeah. But right.
1: so, so like, I mean, is it, is that still happening now where they're like, oh, this is the devil's music. You can't listen to sure. that. Sure.
3: Well, not the devil. Yeah.
2: For the fifties. Not literally the devil.
3: It's scary. But it's scary. Behavior I mean, it's that will lead it's... you
2: to the devil. Yeah, but I it scared white people. Yeah, mean, I mean, I hate no, to say just it, That's what it is. His dad. Okay, let's take, for instance, here's his pastor, a white guy. His son plays that guitar, right? And we're talking about connotations of the devil. This double D, beautiful black woman is like shaking it, like close to it. We're getting to the devil, dude. You know what I mean? But go ahead, finish
3: Now, I'm saying that's literally what it was, was, you know, they had (laughs) kids under control. (laughs) I'm saying it, dude. They had kids under control. Remember, your kids went to church when they went to church. You were, you you know, you had your kids pretty much on a leash. So it just grows exponentially. You know, the next time comes around, then it's Prince singing about masturbating with a magazine. And then, you know, Tipper Gore's got an issue with that. And then it's, you know, it's whatever comes out later. Even now they're doing it. There's people arguing about TikTok and they're arguing about our kids over sexualized our kids. I would say comparably kids today have had so much put on them that it takes even more to sort. I have a 10 year old. It takes even more for them to even roll their eyes. You know what I mean? We're talking about 1948, Mm -hmm. 49, 50 that there was nothing. Imagine nothing to Elvis Presley's hips. Imagine nothing to crawling king snake, you know, and then look at that seismic shift of, I don't know anything. And then this song might be about his dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is like, boom. Now it's like, they've heard dick all day long. And now you got to come up with like some bigger, my dick on a boat. You know what I mean? That's right. gotta be yeah. the next jump to, to freak them. So that's, I'm just saying yeah. it still exists. I think it's just getting harder to freak people out. And our parents can't lie to us and be like, they didn't go through the 60s. And the fifties, you know, we watched them at Woodstock with their titties out. You know what I mean? It all, you know,
2: it all pretty much went down. It all went down the same, you know, it's just that earlier out early white America hit it up front, you know, Yeah. hit it up front. And that repression actually is a slow leak. You know, it leads to like, Hey, guy goes into school, shoots the children. It's, it's, it's. It's, it's, a, it's a part of our evolution and, and our spiritual evolution. You know what I mean? That's, that, that is a, a subjective, by the way, and only yeah. from my own perspective. and. Obviously. Well, no,
1: I want to ask you, because we were talking about the evolution and you went through your, your childhood story, uh, mm. you know, like how did you overcome those demons of like how that started and then what it kind of evolved into when you get moving to Wheaton and what you had to deal with there? Like how did you overcome all of that shit?
2: I overcame that by the metamorphosis of people at the time. Because there was some incredible metamorphosis going on. All the kids were coming back from Vietnam. They were hipper to the game, to the political game. You know, they were usually about eight. They were usually about 20 years old. I was maybe nine. No, maybe six, seven But there's these really hip guys who can say, man, that's Buku Bridge you got there. You know, I didn't even know what they were talking about, you know. But they were cool as shit. They didn't have no problem with nobody black or nobody white or nobody Latin or nobody nothing. They was just cool and laid on the line. They made all these women that decided that they're not going to be up under some guy, that they're going to go and forge their own careers and take care of their family if the guy wasn't there. Started with the Mary Tyler Moore show, you know. So all these single mothers go out. Then the lat the the the, the evolution of the latchkey kid, you know, with the Ozzy and Harriet dinner at the table with the whole family was 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 way, way gone. And our and and the parents are out trying to work and the kids are there in the neighborhoods by themselves, you know. You know, we started to assimilate, you know, we started to 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 blend. Um AM radio was very key for, for the, for those times, because in AM radio, there was no, you listen to this and you listen to that, you know, it's Benny and the jets and I want you back, you know? So, so, so we, we were all, we we had this, there was, there was a a meshing that went on and it went went on the TV from anywhere from laughing to seals and Yarnell to, uh, the Sonny and Cher show, you know, um, um, uh, uh, The cool things back when we were a kid, it was cool to think about ecology. It was cool to talk about peace. When we were kids, that was the hip thing. The hip thing wasn't, oh, I'm cool, and I sell drugs and all this. The cool thing was, you know, I have harmony with my brother and my sister, you know? Love between my brother and my sister. All over this land, if you went to a uh, camp or summer camp anywhere from late mid sixties to early seventies, you're not going to hear nothing but songs about being together. So it was those things that 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 changed me. I can't take credit for it. you know the the societies still existed, the two different societies uh, or the or the multiple societies that that stayed hand in hand. Like the Irish or the German or the Polish or the Italian. Everybody brings their their traits to the table, you know? But in the assimilation was was what saved me.
3: I want to start singing the circle game in my Joni shirt. Um all right. So the last <laughs> one the last one is in uh, in nineteen eighty, if you guys remember the classic comedy, one of the greatest, the blues brothers of Dan Aykroyd and John
2: Belushi, that had that, that,
0: <crafting>
2: yeah, you could yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. take that out editing now that I
0: know, okay? <engraved> so, We're
2: yeah. leaving that shit in there. We're
1: doing a tight
3: zoom on your face. We're yeah. doing everything. Three nice. Cameras. It's, called, it's called Can't Turn Me Loose, is that name of that song? So, anyway, um, the uh, uh, if you remember right before they show Ray Charles in that movie, they cut outside, they're in, they're in Southside Chicago, and there's a cat playing on the street. And that's John Lee Hooker playing boom boom. And the nice. band is basically it's right. his old friend Muddy Waters band backing him up. Basically Muddy right. Waters players that he's you know that he's out in the street with. So if you ever get a chance to watch that and you're just like, well, that must be somebody popular also, because Aretha, Ray, James Brown. Yeah. Everybody's in that movie. So, so Tommy, so I want
1: to ask you, um, you know, about a movie that you got some very, very uh, particularly interesting reviews about. It's honestly one of my favorite movies ever. Can you please tell me the story with Booty Call and Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby (laughs) and Booty Call. Because um, it's one of my favorite movies. I, I, I love Booty Call. So, I mean, it was the perfect age for me. And I love I it. Can, I, mean- I, can,
2: I can describe it in five words. He's in jail for it. Okay. No. Um, um, oh. <laughs> no, no, no just <laughs> No, no. You know, it, it, you know, Bill Cosby at some point in his career wanted to really get on a soapbox about black culture and how we do this and we do that and if we would just do that and if we would do just do this you know and uh the reality of the situation if, if every if one white man you know spoke for every white man you know we wouldn't have had to go to omaha beach and shut his ass up yeah you know what i mean am i right or wrong you know so you know same instance you know um he just had an axe to grind. And it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, the the intention was positive. The intention was, you know, to have, to, 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 to have us have a, 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 to have us uh, uh, be able to, uh, to modify our ethics and our morals. You know what I mean? But what are we modifying it from? Right? The guy goes to Africa. He sees a beautiful woman. Right? She's about 40. For her age, she's unbelievable. She's got two daughters. One is 16, one is 17, and they're stunning. And he goes, shoot the husband and put those three on my ship. Okay. So, so, you know, who are we learning it from? Right. So it was just his attempt to do that. You know, and I thought it was really, I thought it was really interesting, you know, because I was in an interview on the radio one time. And they asked me about him. And I don't I usually try to talk about people if I if I can help it, but you know, it, it it does help when you do. Sometimes you know you get pushed. That's what radio's good. It's really good, you know. So he asked me, you know, do you have a problem with Bill Cosby? I said I only have one problem with Bill Cosby of one thing that he said, and he said he he doesn't like how black women name their children like Shaniqua, you know, Kania. you know. Why don't they have traditional? Names like Jane and 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 you know uh, you could name one Lisa whatever you know what I mean and I'm saying well I think it's beautiful I think after 400 years of being named European names that here's this this somehow group of young black women that have decided to name their children original names. Even if they're names that they made up, they actually come from from their their whole DNA strand. You know what I mean? From their whole experience. So even though he was saying that, you know, it's just it's just it just it just just, um it just doesn't pay its dividends when others speak when other people speak up for other people. It's just more suited when people Accept each other's differences and make the priority to keep our differences safe among each other.
1: Sure, hey, I, I, I said also, that. I also think Tommy. I think that's, that's pretty kind cool. Of, no, I think that's great. That's gorgeous. Everything you're saying, I, I completely agree I said with. That. I, I also, I also
2: feel you got to like, tape that and send that to me. Cause I'm not going to remember that.
3: <laughs> oh, we got it. Don't worry. We'll clip <laughs> we'll that out. We'll send it to you. Well, no, you're, I'm using that for the next episode for a different. But no, I'm I think. <laughs>
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I learned a lot off the of ZZ Top just for the blues, man. I know what to do. This is
1: the thing about Bill Cosby, man, because I remember what he was saying, and I've seen it throughout the years before all this stuff happened to him, or before he got exposed for all the stuff that he did, is what I should actually say. It's always the people that have shit in their closets that that are the ones that are the loudest on the soapbox. There are so many people. I'm telling you, like. Like there are, there are, and, and this is on the liberal side too, especially it's like they have, they're going to, they they better not have shit in and skeletons and, and done fucked up things because if you're going to fucking tell people what they can and can't do, You know, then you, it's like, it's like throwing rocks in a glass house. You can't do it, man. And it's like, when that happened to Bill, it was like, ah, that motherfucker. The first instance I had of that, Tommy was, was the, was the first time I remember him speaking out was about booty call. And I was like, how, who gives a fuck? It's an entertainingly fun movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sounds like the Vatican and the boys clubs of America, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, I got I got about five questions for you, and then we're out of here. All right, rapid fire. All right. All right. Favorite boom, song. Boom,
2: boom, boom, boom. Oh, all right. you got to do them. You got to. You got to do them. at a boom, boom, boom. So okay. we'll all go. Boom, 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 boom. And then okay, the yeah, question. Yeah, hit me hit me, okay. hit me. go ahead. Hit me. One, two, two. Boom, 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 boom. boom. Five, favorite song on the record. Uh boom, 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 boom.
1: Okay, perfect. Hit me again. All right. All right. <laughs> two, oh, three, two. Three.
2: Boom boom, boom, boom,
1: boom, boom. Least favorite song on the record. Uh the beer. Um, wine, uh, one, beer. one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. One bourbon. Right. One, oh, I'm glad we skipped it. Perfect. I right, hit me. A two, All three. Right. Boom, 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 boom. What song on this record would you fuck to? A boom, 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 boom.
2: Okay, I'll take that again. i right, hit me. Two, three. No, but actually, it would be the one. I'm gonna have to. I don't remember the name of it, but it's the one. Boogie chilling,
1: boogie chilling. All right, okay, right. One, two, three. Boom, 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 boom. Does this record deserve to be on the 500 greatest albums list? Hell yeah.
2: Two, three boom 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 boom,
1: and just for me, because I'm such a huge fan of yours and the uh and the show in Living Color, would you please tell me your favorite in living color story?
2: yeah, um all right, well, I got so many, but like Jim would no one wanted to work with him but me, you know, because Jim was so into detail, you know. So he 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 was like anal about the sketches he did and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of his sketches would take like, you know, three hours. So everybody wanted to go home and, it, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Right. And so, you know, it's getting late and um, we're almost done. You know, we're down to the last little bit of this thing. Right. And so the, In this scene, it's Fire Marshal Bill. And I say some line to him and he slams himself on the floor backwards and starts to just like roll around the whole room, right? And then he gets up and goes, that's because I'm a fire marshal, (laughs) right? So so he did that like 10 times and it was longer (laughs) every time. And every time he came up, to the camera I was like in tears you know and the director was like you guys gotta cut it out you know did that and other." and I'm going that's him man that's him he's only supposed to get up and say I'm a fire marshal and so they go yeah cut set again shh. okay red eh, up you know and I go bam, bam, wham to the ground again whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he's rolling around again and he gets up again and I'm like in tears you know what I mean and he just because you know and and I'm holding it, you know, and he goes, that's because I'm a fire manager. And the, the director just finally was like, you know, cut, I don't even know if we're going to be able to use this. You know, and it ended up being like the most huge thing of all time. I love it. I love it. Wow. wow. It was like, you know, just one of the things that'll never happen again. it happen once, you know, did you know did you know like
1: when you saw that first cast of In Living Color with you know with Keenan and Damon and 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 David and you and I mean did you did you have any idea how much of an impact In Living Color would have on the world of comedy did you I mean like that first you get in there you see everybody did you know you were going to change comedy from that point on cuz it was never the same once you guys got yeah, a hold of it? Yeah.
2: I knew the one white guy out of that was going to be the hugest. <laughs> 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 boom, 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 no, no, boom. no. Boom, 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 boom. No, no, we we, uh, we we knew. We knew because we were funny before it came on. So we and we knew nobody saw anything like that. You know, all of us were like Keenan was like uh Professor Xavier, man, he he went and got the baddest, the baddest people in the clubs and in the in the sketch world. We all knew about each other. We were all killing, you know, and put us in one room, man, and was like, "This is the danger room," you know. You you were going to work together, you know what I mean? And when we came out, we knew it, man. We knew it because we were the best of the best, but undiscovered, you know. And we were we were a product of Saturday Night Live, Lucy. I mean, good times. Everything you could imagine. Every commercial you ever seen. Rocky. Every, we were the like we were like the result, and we were ready to bust. And when we first got on the, we never got on the air. When the pilot, the pilot air, the pilot didn't air for six months. So we all went back to the comedy clubs and we're like, "Yeah, it's not going to work out." And We're all saying, "Man, if that thing ever gets on the air, though, you know." And what happened? This what happened was, Kenan leaked the tape. It was a tape at the time, you know. Ain't no streaming, you know. You they handing the thing around, and and um, the, <laughs> the the other networks got a hold of this thing, and we're gonna do this show, and and um, Fox said, "No, no, no, that's our show," and aired it.
1: I mean, you you changed you change. I you. I don't think you. I mean, I, I do think, as probably people tell you guys all the time, man. I think uh, I, in Living Color is is one of the reasons uh, that I got into stand up. I wanted to get into comedy, and and I know so many people. I remember remember. Do you remember Tommy a few years ago in the L.A. comedy scene when Keenan was was talking about restarting in Living Color with a yeah, new cast. Yeah. And everybody Did you was. Out? I didn't. Did you I come did in? not. I did not. I did not showcase where I'm not a sketch guy. I'm a stand-up. But that being okay, said, okay, okay, okay. But then also at that point, I wasn't if like if it happened now, I would I would I think I would get an audition and I, you know, I think I could give my shot at it. But at the time, I was still really developing as the performer. Like now, now I want the world to see me, and now they are seeing me and and, and all the shit's coming to me. That being said, I saw the people he was auditioning, and in my head, I was like, you, it doesn't make a difference. He's never going to assemble a lineup that's as good as the people that were there." The that's first what he time. said
2: at the end of the day when I talked to him, and I was like, Kenan, what? I mean, what's going on, man?" This new, he said, "I just can't find anybody like you guys." He said, "You guys like were fast, natural. You know, you could. I could tell you something. You do it. I can tell you something, and you wouldn't fucking do it. Like, and but, but it would be the perfect thing." He said, "You guys were like." You know, you were like born to do it. When I find that crew, you know, it's on, you know, but he said, I audition and I audition and I audition. But one thing he said was interesting. He said, "Um, the talent's changing. They're not reaching for that either. You know, they're not reaching for that, that that factor that just makes everybody go crazy. If somebody says, oh, that's hilarious. That's enough. But you guys weren't like that. If somebody wasn't on the ground, laughing in tears, you weren't satisfied. And even then you're going to kill them. You're going to stomp people out. You know oh, what for I mean? Oh, sure. Oh,
1: dude, yeah. I, I would put In Living Color in the 100% in the top five sketch groups yeah. that's ever been assembled. Uh, you know, with and I mean, it's, it's like when you watch In Living Color, the old In Living Color, then you watch like where Saturday Night Live is now. And no offense to the people on Saturday Night Live because I'm friends with a lot of them. It just, it doesn't, nothing's memorable. Everything in Living Color was memorable. Every single we, sketch We, we, we did. were fortunate
2: in that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, geniuses. You guys you were know, geniuses. And it's, and it, and I even really just, appreciate that. Of course. Dude,
2: I, Tommy, I, really I, I, I said it. this and We really to, worked hard. We really worked hard. No, I mean, like, you know, we would, like, we, we got there at seven in the morning, left at like 11, 12, like every day. Yeah. Every day, it shows. We did, we did, we did, we did commercial send ups, movie trailer send ups. Um, um, we did uh, uh pre-tape sketches all week. All week, and rehearsed for the show on Friday. Yeah, you know, it was just, it was just, um, it was just a matter of um opportunity, meeting, preparation in the biggest way. Yeah, we were like big number twelve. When he when he walked into the arena and it's like, you know what, all I need, all, all I need is one mic. He was like, Nas, man. Yeah. He's just like, you know, I'll give Gronk a little bit and Brown a little bit here. You know what I mean? I know who I need in coaching. Yeah. You know, all, all, all I need is four quarters of football. If I can just get to that one game, forget about it. You know, yeah. and that's that's how we were.
1: It shows. It's, it it's, it's still, I mean, I, I mean, I haven't watched it in, you know, a, a couple years and it's like, but every time I put it on, man, it's just like, I mean, just tears. And, and,
2: and yeah, it's still fresh. And the still cool great. thing about the cool thing about big 12 is he always, he understands his cast. He know the brothers are the stars, man. You know what I mean? He, 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 I mean, he had Moss. He had, uh, I mean, we, we don't even have to, like go there, you know what I mean? He understands, you know, what to me, more white people do than black people know. What field we're on, you know? It's that last four years that kinda just, you know, made white people hate white people again, you know? It was Mm -hmm. just like, like, come on, still. (laughs) Like, are you serious? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Dude,
1: I-, I love this. This was great. Tommy, uh, promote away. Anything you want to promote buddy?
2: Yeah, I-, I have, uh, my book, of course, uh, Tommy Davidson living in color, uh, Amazon, uh, check this out. Target now. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm going there. Okay. I'm, that means I'm, I'm available to South Bend, Indiana, man. So, so, um, uh, uh, also um the series on ABC called The Soul of a Nation is on okay. ABC and it's, it's 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 a new series about uh 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 black America now and it's really interesting everybody's in it common uh John Legend I named them because they're really popular okay and that helps yeah you know, we're we're in the we're in the age of yeah we're in the age of social media now cuz we shows, would know who so, they so, were you know yeah Chris Rock you know told me I, I had the script you know, Chris Rock told me this. He's so smart. He told me this like fifteen years ago. Said, "Man, look at this script. I'm trying to sell this script, and they ain't get it." And he's going, "Tommy, man, Tommy, man, you don't know the quality's out of style, man. His popularity, man. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. man. We'll promote. We'll promote. We'll make sure we promote the book when this comes out. When and we'll promote the series. Uh Morty, what do you got?
3: Uh follow me. Twitter, DJ oh, brand new Morty car. Kyle. Okay. Uh, can- no, <laughs> you
2: know, sorry, sorry you know i thought yeah a brand new (laughs) car a brand new car
3: (laughs) (laughs) you can check out uh you can check out fokker fokker force 5 live on facebook live and then be and daddy cartoons on instagram yeah check it out guys jt what do you got
1: jt underscore podcast exec on socials and next chapter podcast is ncpodcast.com nice and don't forget that I mean this from the bottom of my heart, buddy. Thank you so much, dude. This was so much fun being able to sit down and talk to you, buddy. You guys are the
2: best, man. Thank you, man.
1: What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Tommy Davidson. Follow him on all social media at the real Tommy Cat. And for all things, Tommy Davidson, go to his website thetommydavidson.com and make sure you pick up his new memoir Living in Color What's Funny About Me you can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold now we just listened to John Lee Hooker's complete retrospective for new music this week we have Christ Stone, Kingfish Ingram The Clarksdale Mississippi Phenom is only 22 years old, but he already has a foothold on this blues genre. He's already played with Blues Titans, Eric Gales, and Buddy Guy. And in 2009, he released his debut, Kingfish. And we're featuring that single right here, Ghost of Christmas Past, which came out last November. And you can find all the links to his music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you are in a band and you want your music featured on the 500, send it to us, guys. Send us your songs. Because we want to play them 500podcasts at gmail.com Put the artist that influenced you In the subject line Next week Oh shit It's Scandinavian Queen Bjork We're going to go deep into a 1995 record post If you haven't heard it Listen to it Do your homework Stay fleecy Google Snap dude.
0: Believe I let my good I last. And play one for my baby. She's the ghost from prison. Band. singing carols down in the park and all I got for Christmas is a spirit in the dark my heart is sinking low while the snow is falling fast and I'm crying frozen teardrops For the ghost from Christmas past And I'm crying frozen teardrops For the ghost, for the ghost For the ghost of Christmas past Please see for the Fleece Nation on the Five Hundred.
2: The 500. Hey, everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off Road Minivan.